Well, welcome again to another podcast, Down to Earth but Heavenly Minded, and I'm your host, Irv Resch. Before we even get going today, though, I just want to say, boy, that construction going on outside has gotten extremely noisy. Hopefully, I'll be able to filter uh, some of this noise out, because uh, I don't want to wreck our recording here, but... Uh, I guess the work has to be done. What they're doing is they're actually, I'm fairly close to a bridge that crosses the Mississippi River, and they're sandblasting the the structure of the bridge so, and repainting it. So I guess that has to be done to make it last longer. But boy, I tell you, it sure has been uh, a long summer with all this work going on. Well, I don't want to occupy you with all this stuff that's going on here, but I would like to say what our our lesson is going to be on today as we go through the principles of spiritual growth. And by the way, uh, um, this analogy of looking at this as going up a stepladder is kind of my doing, not uh, Miles Stanford. He didn't have this in his teaching. But I think this is a good way to look at things because it's, uh, it, it, life is kind of this way. Uh, when we grow spiritually, uh, we're reaching a higher level. So as we go up, uh, it draws us closer to God. And spiritually, that's what life is all about. Drawing close to our, our creator, our maker, our savior, uh, and, you know, when we started out, we have to be on a firm foundation. That's when we looked at faith. And uh, then we took our first step uh, up the rung uh, of the ladder, and that was looking at God dealing with us in time and eternity, and that we want to rush things, but God is very patient and very slow sometimes and working with us in our spiritual growth. And we should not rush something that is being formed in us, which is Christ Jesus. Well, then we come to the next thing, or the next rung, which would be the second rung, because we use faith as our foundation where the ladder sits on. Time was our first step. And now we come to acceptance. And this is a real important one. So uh, I want to get into our study and uh, look at uh, our acceptance in the well-beloved. Now, there are two questions that every believer must settle as soon as possible. The one is, does God fully accept me? Does he fully accept me? And the second is, if so, upon what basis does he do so? These are very crucial questions. So we must settle them right now uh, before we even move any further up the ladder. What devastation often uh, premedes the life of one young or old, rich or poor, saved or unsaved, who is not sure of being accepted, even on a human level? You know, even on a human level, we want to be accepted. Yet so many believers whether uh, strugglers or uh, vegetarians, move through life without 
this precious fact to rest and build on. Have predestined us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself according to his good pleasure of his will to the praise of the glory of the grace whether he has made us where he has made us accepted in the beloved. You know, this is right out of Ephesians, the very first chapter, verses 5 and 6. Every believer is accepted by the Father in Christ. Those two words are so important. We talked about this in, in, the, in the fellowship that I have, uh, that I've been with for quite a while, that we need to be in Christ. Being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Romans 5.1 The peace is God's towards us, though his, through his beloved Son. On this, our peace is to be based. God is able to be at peace with us through our Lord Jesus Christ. Having made peace through the blood of his cross, Colossians 1.20 and we must never forget that he, it's his peace, is founded solely on the works of the cross, totally apart from anything whatsoever in or from us, since God commanded his love towards us, and while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Romans 5, 8. You know, our faith becomes uh, a fixed attitude once it begins to rest in this wonderful fact. And that wonderful fact that it's based on Christ, not us. Then it can be of necessity, disallowed, rejected, indeed of men, but chosen of God and precious. First Peter 2, 4. This is the steady and influencing most believers are in need today. We need this so bad. We need to recognize that we are accepted in Christ, not in us. So many times we say, oh, I did this and God, oh, God's going to punish me for it. Well, God's not looking at it that way. A century ago, J.B. Stoney wrote, the blessed God never alters or deviates from the acceptance in which he has received us because of the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Alas, we divulge from the state in which God can never be towards us as recorded in Romans 5, 1 through 11. Many suppose that because they are uh, conscience of sin, Hence, they must renew their acceptance with God. This is so false. We never, we never should base our acceptance on us, but always on Christ. I'm just drinking a little coffee here while I talk. Well, the truth is that God has not altered. His eyes rest on the works accomplished by Christ for the believer. Where are you not walking in the spirit 
you are in the flesh. Plain and simple. There's only two positions that we can be in. You have turned to the old man, which was crucified on the cross. Romans 6.6. 6. You have to be restored to fellowship, not to salvation. You can't lose your salvation. Uh, nobody can snatch him out of the Father's hand. Nobody. And that includes yourself. And when you are, you find your acceptance with God unchanged and unchangeable. When sin are introduced, there is the fear that God has changed. God never changes. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He has not changed, but you have. You are not walking in the spirit, but in the flesh. You have to judge yourself in order to be restored. For this is my blood in the New Testament, which is shed for you, for shed for many, for the remissions of sins. Matthew 26, 28. Well, but if you, if your sins are not met there, where can they be met? Now, when remission of sin is, there is no more offense for sin, offering for sin. Hebrews 10, 18. God has affected the reconciliation. He always remains true to it. <clears throat> Alas, we divulge from it. Uh, and the tendency is to suppose that the blessed God has altered towards us. He's never altered. It's us. He certainly will judge the flesh if we do not. But he never departs from the love which he, ha he has expressed to the prodigal. And we find that when the cloud which walked which walking in the flesh uh, produces, and, and really it does produce a cloud around us, and we can't see beyond it. And we don't see God's love. It has passed away. His love, blessed be his name, has never changed. Never will change. Never has changed. God bases our biases for acceptance there is no other. We are accepted in the beloved. Ephesians 1 verse 6. Our Father is fully satisfied with his beloved Son on our behalf. And there is no reason for us not to be. Our satisfaction can only spring from and resting in his uh, sanctification. It is from God to us, not from us to God. Listen to that. It is not. It is from God to us, not from us to God. That's, we, we, we get it mixed up. Uh, John Nelson Darby uh, was very clear on this. Uh, he wrote this. When the Holy Spirit reasons with man, he does not reason from what man is for God but from what God is to man. Souls reason from what they are in themselves to as to whether God will accept them. 
but cannot accept you, but cannot accept you thus. You are looking for righteousness in yourself as the ground of acceptance with him. You cannot get peace, you know, with reason in this way. You can't. It's impossible. You'll never have that peace with God. The Holy Spirit always reasons down from what God is. And this produces a total change in my soul. It is not that I abhorred my sins. Indeed, I may have been walking very well, but it is I abhorring myself. This is not the Holy Spirit's reason. You know, he shows us what we are, and that is one reason why he often seems to be very hard and does not give peace to the soul, as we are not uh, relived until we, we do not realize this until we uh, experience it from our heart uh, and acknowledge what we are. We have to come to the end of ourselves. There's no good in me, none, not a bit. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. There's none of us righteous. No, not one. Until the soul comes to this point, he does not give, it does not give him peace. You will never have peace till you come to understand this. He could not. It would be healing a wound slightly. The soul has to go on until it finds there is nothing to rest on but the abstract goodness of God. And then, if God be for us, who can be against us? Romans 8.31 Well, sadly today, most believers actually reason just the opposite, from themselves to God. When all is going well and God seems to be blessing, then it is that they feel he loves and accepts them. But when they are stumbling and everything seems dry and hard, then they feel that he does not love and accept them. How can this be? Ask yourself that. How can this be? There is nothing about us uh, to commend us to God. Our acceptance being in Christ, plus the fact that most of our true spiritual development comes through the dry and hard times. Thank God he has accepted us in his Son. And upon this fact, we must rest our faith. Our foundation has to be built on this, that we are accepted in Christ and not in ourselves. As in justification, justification our acceptance is by grace alone. In his class, Romans, uh, in his classic Romans, verse by verse, uh, William Noel presented some uh, pertaining thoughts, penetrating thoughts, uh, regarding this grace. And he quotes him uh, in a few pages here. And I'm going to go through these things, and we're going to look at them. And uh, I, I'm not going to rush through them. I'll present them as I see them. There being no case in the uh, creature what 
uh, why grace should be shown. The creature must be brought off from trying to give cause to God for his grace. Don't try to, don't try to give any kind of cause or reason. He has been accepted in Christ, who is his standing. He is not our uh, uh, probation as to his life past. It does not exist before God. He died on the cross, and Christ is his life. Grace, once bestowed, is not withdrawn. For God knows all the human uh, traits that, that are in us beforehand. He knows everything. Uh, his actions was independent of them, not dependent upon them. Can you understand that? You know, God had chosen us before the foundation of the world. It was not based on anything we did or didn't do. The proper attitude of man under grace. And I'm going to go through these slow. To believe and to consent to be loved while unworthy is a great secret. Think about that. To believe and to consent to be loved while unworthy is the great secret. The next one is to refuse to make resolutions and vows. You refuse to do it, for that is to trust in the flesh. If you make a vow or a resolution to God, oh God, I'll never do that again, that's trusting in your flesh, not in the, what the finished works of Christ. Okay, the next one. Uh, to expect to be blessed through realizing more and more the lack of worth. To ex accept to be blessed through realizing more and more the lack of worth. You know, we're worth nothing, but God sees value on us but it's only through Christ Jesus. That's where our value lies. To rely on God's chastening, child training that is, uh, to put his hand as a mark of his kindness. So when we're chastened, got to remember that when things are not going right, God is actually showing his love. For no one, you know, would show love towards a, a child that was not his. But if we belong to Christ, we should expect our training. Okay, which thing, which things which grace, gracious souls discover? And these are things that we discover. To hope is to be better, hence acceptable, is to fail to see yourself in Christ only. So, when we fall and we start looking at ourselves, we're not looking at Christ. We see ourselves in Christ only when we realize that we are accepted no matter what we do. Once forgiven, always forgiven. Okay, to be disappointed with yourself is to have believed in yourself. Do you see that? If you're disappointed in yourself, you already believed in yourself. 
And we are not to believe in ourselves, but in Christ. To be discouraged is unbelief. If you are discouraged in life, it's because of unbelief as to God's purpose and plan of blessing for you. You don't understand what God has purposed and planned for you. So you get discouraged because you're looking at self. All right, this is a real good one. To be proud is to be blind. That is so true. For we have no standing before God in ourselves. Everything's in Christ. Okay, another one. The lack of divine blessing, therefore, comes from unbelief and not from failure of devotion. Let's just read that again. The lack of divine blessing, therefore, come from unbelief and not from failure of devotion. Okay? So if we're not being blessed, uh, it's not because uh, of our failures uh, of devotion towards the Lord. It's from our unbelief. That's what it's saying. Okay, let's look at uh, one more here. To preach uh, devotion first and blessing second is to reverse God's order and preach law, not grace. The law made man blessings depend on devotion. Grace conf uh, confers undeserving, unconditional blessings. Our devotions may follow, but does not allow us to do so in proper measure. You know, we are, uh, we're blessed. Uh, and, and then our devotion should come because we're blessed. And we don't give devotion in an expected blessing. So we do it in reverse. Okay, have we been afraid to really believe God? Have some even been afraid to allow others to really believe in him? We must never forget that God's ways are not man's ways. To some men, uh, constant peril is the only sphere of action. And many religions and psychologists are dependent on fear to keep their disciples in line. Fear, too, has a place in Christianity. But God has a higher and more effective motivation than fear. And the one of these is love. Love should motivate us, not fear. Often fear after a while, produces only numbness, but love thrives on love. The, you know, the promise a man, uh, the certainty of his destiny may seem on a human level like playing with fire, but this level, God's out of the picture. There, I know those who have the deepest appreciation of grace is not uh, is not continuing in sin. Moreover, fear produces the obedience of slaves. Love engenerates the obedience of sons. And this was written by W. J. W. Sanderson Jr.
I thought it was really good. Well, in closing this, uh, I have one more point here. For the trumpet gives an uncertain sound. Who shall prepare himself for the battle? 1 Corinthians 14.8 Until the Christian is absolutely and spiritually sure of his standing, he is not going to do much standing. Stand therefore, Ephesians 6.14 Now our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God, even our Father, which has loved us and has given us everlasting consolation and good hope through grace, comfort your heart and establish you in every good word and works. Second Thessalonians 2, 16 and 17. Trusting in God, have your faith in God, give time to work on you, and remember you are accepted in the well-beloved. I hope that uh, you enjoyed and got some good thoughts out of this uh, teaching. So with that said, I'm going to end my podcast here. Like I always do, God is out here. Pick up your Bible. That's the only way you're going to learn about God and understand His ways. So with that said, I'm going to leave you. Bye for now.